Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the and I'm. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Keith Fleming. That's me. Thanks for coming back for another episode. If you're a returning listener and if you're a newcomer, then welcome to the program. And I hope you'll be back for more. A special shout out to the uh, several people who have signed up this week to be patrons at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. I hope that you're enjoying your early access to all the interviews that you hear on a uh, full episode of the program. Handy this week, especially because this episode is coming out a day late. I uh, had some uh, issues uh, to uh, deal with yesterday, and in fact, actually had a uh, late interview, a, a late ad to the list of guests this week. So I uh, wanted to make sure that that uh, interview got included. Um, so push this episode back by a day. Usually it comes out on Fridays. As I'm speaking with you right now, it is Saturday. We always start with the question of the day. I put it up on Twitter just moments ago, so not any uh, no response to it just yet. But uh, the question this week goes back to, um, remember when I had uh, Devin Levi on the show and I actually asked him about this, uh, but the whole subject about uh, the height of goaltenders these days who are and aren't being drafted by NHL clubs. Uh, some clubs seem to set the bar at about 6'3", maybe 6'2", uh, but some of the uh, top goaltenders uh, playing junior and college hockey are under that. And a good example is Dustin Wolf uh, of the Everett Silvertips, just named Again, goaltender of the uh, the year in the WHL. Uh, go back to last year. Dustin Wolf's numbers were fantastic. In 61 games, he had a 169 goals against average and a 936 save percentage. Those are fantastic numbers. He was ranked 12th by NHL Central Scouting, uh, by just in terms of goaltenders in North America. So you would expect that's probably normally fourth, fifth round. Uh, he wasn't ta- he was drafted, but not until the seventh round last year. So circle back to uh, Devin Levi, who also six feet tall. His numbers this year, uh, 37 games, so um, significantly fewer games than uh, than Wolf played in his draft year, but a 147 goals against average and a 941 save percentage. So both of those better than Wolf had last year. He's now ranked eighth by Central Scouting. So the question. What round will Levi be taken in this year using Dustin Wolf as a comparable because they're both six feet tall and the uh, the outright refusal by some NHL teams to draft smaller goaltenders might push a guy like Levi down like it did Wolf last year. So that's the question. What round does Devin Levi get taken in 
this year. You can fire up the old Twitter machine and uh, check me out on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy and let me know uh, what your prediction is uh, for what round Levi will be taken if he gets taken. Maybe you're someone who agrees and uh, wouldn't take Levi in the draft because he's not six foot three. Let's get to some news and notes. And uh, the big news here, just breaking actually yesterday, uh, comes south of the border in the NCAA. Of course, they had just gone up to 61 teams with the announcement that Long Island University was joining Division One. Well, they're back to 60 as uh, Alabama Huntsville no longer they dropped their hockey program. It's not the only sports program that they dropped, but uh, UAH. Uh, no longer uh, with a uh, Division One hockey team. It, really interesting because even just last week they were on Twitter, social media, they were proudly announcing their incoming freshman class. So uh, at least publicly this came as a bit of a surprise. But, you know, reading College Hockey News, reading USCHO, it seemed like the writing was on the wall, especially with the uh, the changes with the WCHA, that conference, uh, with the two Alaska schools kind of in limbo. And let's be honest, the geography to get down to uh, Huntsville, it's uh, not on the beaten track for in terms of college hockey. So in a tough spot, and unfortunately, that means the end of the program at the University of Alabama. What I don't know, and maybe I'll, I'll try to get someone on the show next week to talk about it, I don't know if the players can transfer to other programs and, and uh, just immediately fit in. I hope that's the case, uh, instead of having to transfer and sit out a year in a in classic red shirt uh, fashion so i'm not sure what the situation is there maybe if you know you can uh, let me know but uh, never good when you see a, a program have to uh, shut down wayne state was the last one i believe that was back in 2008 or so but uh, too bad there's lots of rumblings we don't talk a lot of nhl on this show but lots of rumblings about uh, how that league is going to get back into uh, playing uh, maybe in uh, a month or two uh, to finish off the season in the playoffs since we last chatted, only one signing of note, and that's uh, a player leaving the NHL, uh, Mikel Bodker, most recently with the Ottawa Senators, has assigned to play in uh, Switzerland with Lugano. That's the only uh, signing of note. Not a lot of uh, fallout from the uh, the whole CHL lawsuit settlement uh, story that uh, broke last week, late last week. I uh, was intending to have a guest to talk about that at length, this week, uh, he's going to join me next week. I won't uh, jinx it by saying who that is, uh, but somebody will be on with me hopefully uh, next week to talk about that and the ramifications moving forward. Uh, I do have a guest this week where we touch on it a little bit, but uh, not really much to add in terms of uh, that story. Uh, the only other uh, newsworthy item that I've come across here uh, recently is that uh, Hockey Canada will not be uh, participating in the uh, World Junior Summer Showcase uh, this year, uh, which is scheduled to go from July 24th to August 1st. And that actually didn't surprise me because I th kind of thought all the summer stuff was shut down. But right now, USA Hockey says it's still planned to go and that uh, Sweden and Finland have not canceled yet. Uh, but Canada is uh, not sending players uh, down to Plymouth for that. All guests of the Pipeline Show join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline, and I can tell you that the uh, tap room in Red Deer is back open. I would recommend you go to the website, that's troubledmonk.com, and uh, take a look at uh, some of the rules and regulations and uh, get in contact with them, but that's right in Red Deer, so if you're there, uh, you can uh, stop by the tap room now. You can also still get your daily deliveries, your free home deliveries, 
in Red Deer, Edmonton, St. Albert, Sherwood Park, and Calgary. And a reminder that if uh, they don't deliver to where you're living, say you're in Grand Prairie or something like that, or uh, in Cold Lake or Medicine Hat, uh, you're not one of the places that they're, they're delivering. You can still get it. You just talk to your local liquor store and ask them to stock it. Uh, anywhere in Alberta, it is available. Remember, we had Bud Kelly on the show a few weeks back. Not available yet outside of Alberta, but anywhere in Alberta, you can still get it. Tell them the Pipeline Show sent you. Three guests on the, this week's episode of the program. We're going to start with a 2020 draft spotlight. And we're going to end it with another 2020 draft spotlight. And we're going to uh, bookend those conversations with a in-the-dub segment. First guest will be Jan Mishok of the Hamilton Bulldogs out of the Ontario Hockey League. But when I spoke with him earlier this week, he was back home in the Czech Republic. And an interesting guy, because he's a bit of a wild card, I think, uh, came over after the World Junior Championship and his his draft stock started to climb as he got more notoriety on this side of the pond. Uh, but then, of course, with the season canceled and no World U18 or anything like that, it will be interesting to see where Jan Mishak goes in the draft. Uh, following that segment, we're going to uh, chat with uh, Perry Bergson from the Brandon Sun, who is a put-together man. He has been working double-time uh, to put this big project together. He looks back at the 2015-16 season uh, for the Brandon Wheat Kings, uh, where they uh, went on to the Memorial Cup as WHL champions. This series of articles uh, started coming out earlier this week with the uh, brand at the Brandon Sun, and will continue for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we'll get into details about what that's all about. And Perry is the uh, guest that I uh, had a bit of a conversation with in regards to the CHL lawsuit as well. My final guest today, another 2020 draft spotlight and another guy who is expected to go in the first round. His name is Brendan Brisson. He plays for the Chicago Steel. And I guess I guess a little bit like Mishak in terms of a bit of a wild card because I know there are people who really like him and other people who think he's more of a later first round pick. There might even be a chance where he slips out of the first round, uh, but he'd be one of those very early day two picks, uh, much like, say, Shaden Pinto last year uh, with the Ottawa Senators. So that's the guest list. Uh, let's get to it. Uh, up first, a 2020 draft spotlight with the Hamilton Bulldogs forward, Yan Mishak. That's up next here on the Pipeline Show. Steal by Ryan Suzuki. Put it up center ice. Here's Cole Perfetti. What a chance to win the game. Perfetti, backhand. He scores! Cole Perfetti wins it in overtime on a breakaway. Hey, it's Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. 
There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Key Flaming. I heard about that thing on the AM radio. Oh, we're back on the Pipeline Show, and we're going to uh, turn on the 2020 Draft Spotlight and chat with another player that is eligible for the upcoming NHL Draft whenever the NHL Draft finally gets held. Uh, Jan Mishak, uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show. Uh, how are you today? Uh, I'm fine. Thanks for inviting well, I appreciate uh, you taking the time uh, to speak with me. You're back at home in the Czech Republic, correct? Yes, I'm, I'm home. Okay, well, tell me what life is like uh, there right now. I know what we're doing here, basically staying at home and trying not to uh, try not to go out all that much. Uh, what's it like there? Yeah, uh, Czech Republic is uh, so much better right now. Uh, everything is better. Like uh, we don't, well, the, the shops will open soon, so uh, I think the situation is, is better. So. Right now, I, I don't, I don't even feel if somebody, something is happening because, uh, I'm just still, uh, in my mode. Like, uh, I pra- I have a practice every day, so, uh, I don't feel that, uh, something is different. When you say you, you have a practice every day, is, is that on the mm-hmm. ice? Are, are you able to skate there? No, no, no. Right now, uh, I have an all five season, so. Yes. Uh, I'm just working, uh, outside with uh, my conditioning coaches, so, uh, I think it's an important part of my hockey life, so right now I'm pretty busy. Tell me about at the end of the season in the Ontario Hockey League, uh, where were you and the Bulldogs uh, when you were told that, uh, you know what, the season's going to end? Yeah, we we were in a bus. Uh, we had a trip to Kingston, so uh, in a, at a half of the of the way, uh, the coach told us, like, uh, the season is over, it's cancelled, so uh, hmm. we're coming back, and... Uh, we will see what's gonna happen next, and then uh, after a few days, I I I, uh, I realized that uh, it's probably the better to come home. Actually, my parents uh, were there with me, so uh, we went to get her home. Oh, they your parents were there. Were they there the whole time that you were in Hamilton? Like those couple of months? No, no, they they came for one week, and they just wanted to see some my games, but they didn't uh, because the season was canceled. So. Uh, oh wow. Yeah, it, it, uh, it was bad luck for for us. <laughs> yeah, terrible timing. But at the same yeah. time, maybe maybe it was almost nice that they were there, even though they didn't get to watch you play. At yeah. least they were with you when all of this happened. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like they wanted to see like my life uh, outside of the hockey rink, my blood family, uh, like the city. So uh, I shown them some something. So uh, I think it's better than nothing. <laughs> Well, up to that point uh, in the season, uh, I guess we could talk a little bit about the actual hockey now. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, the Bulldogs uh, had made it to the playoffs. Obviously, we know the playoffs never happened. But uh, the team, w- uh, you know, how how were things going for the team when it was shut down? Because it looked like you're on a bit of a losing streak at that point. Yeah, we had a like change of our um, like management. Uh, our our coach was fired, so uh, mm-hmm. we had a new head coach and uh, like. Things were really different, but uh, I think we had some losses, and uh, I think we are on a good way to to to, to make the playoffs. Uh, we were better after every day, uh, so I think uh, we would play like good hockey in the playoffs. So uh, 
that's that like what happened and uh I was so excited for a playoff hockey so uh it's bad news. Yanni Mishak, my guest the forward with the Hamilton Bulldogs and eligible for the 2020 NHL draft. Uh, it was an interesting year for you because you didn't start in the uh, Ontario Hockey League. You were playing back home, playing professionally, if if I uh, understand correctly. Uh, and then you came over after the World Junior Championship. Was that the plan all along, mm-hmm. or when? When? at what point did you decide that's what you wanted to do? No, no, no. Uh, I was drafted uh, before the season started. I was drafted by Bulldogs, but mm-hmm. I had an offer to, to, to come there before the season. But... Uh, I decided to stay in my hometown. Uh, you know, uh, our GM, like Mr. Steiger, uh, told me, like, I will play a lot. Uh, I will have a good nice time. Uh, it's going to be, like, big opportunities for me. So I decided to stay in my hometown. And uh, I think everything was good. Like, I played uh, I played a lot. I, 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 have, I had a lot of nice times. So everything was good. Um, but then, like, things changed because... Uh, our team uh, was at the bottom, and uh, we played bad. So uh, the coach was fired, and a uh, new coach came to, to to our team. And I played less. Uh, I played like around seven or eight eight minutes per game. So uh, I just tried to focus on my uh, on my game, and uh, I came to World Juniors. And uh, like after World Juniors, I uh, had like another offer from uh, Hamilton Bulldogs that. Uh, I can came there, so uh, I was like really excited for that because uh, I started to watch the highlights and uh, like uh, you know how big opportunity is it to play in Canada. So I thought like it's gonna be better for my development. Uh, I can improve some things there. So I always wanted to play uh, in North America. So I think the best thing for me is uh, go there and play there. So I'm I'm like glad for that. Uh, when I came there, I was so surprised because it's on a another level there. So I'm pretty glad that I made this decision. Had you talked to uh, Jan Yannick before you went over to to ask him what it was like? Yeah, uh, I never met him before World Juniors, so oh, really? uh, we had just some uh, you know chats on Instagram. That's all. Mm. But uh, when I when I came to World Juniors. Uh, first games I played with him and his line. So uh, I was really like uh, happy and glad that I can play with uh, the player who was drafted uh, to Arizona. So uh, I saw him like he's pretty good player. And uh, I think uh, I just wanted to like be like him and uh, play like him because uh, I like his kind of game. And, uh, you know, I saw a big opportunity to, to, to be, be in Canada. Now he was hurt, so you didn't actually get to play with him uh, in Hamilton. Um, yeah, you almost—it's yeah. almost like you kind of took his place uh, while he was injured. But if you look ahead to next year, uh, I guess you both could mm-hmm. be there next year. No, we will see. Uh, uh, I don't know if I can like tell you the information about him right now. Uh, of you course, he's—he's uh, he's after injury, but uh, we will see what's gonna happen. I don't think that I can tell you like. Uh, this close information. I'm sorry for that. Okay, no, no, that's fine. Heck, we don't even know when the season will start, if there will be a yeah, season. Yeah. So there's there's lots we don't know yet. Yan Mishak of the Hamilton Bulldogs, uh, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Now, Yan, uh, what was the uh, the biggest difference uh, playing professionally at home against men and then coming to Canada and, and playing against uh, guys your own age? 
Um, you mentioned the mm-hmm. ice time at home was a, a lot less, but there, there has to be other differences too. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think the most, like, the biggest difference is uh, the size of the ring. Uh, the in Canada is smaller, so uh, you see in a game it's like different kind of game there. There mm-hmm. uh, in Canada it's more physical. Uh, I think this is the part of the of my game that I can improve. So uh, I'm really glad for that. And uh, you know, like I said, it's more physical. Uh, you play in Canada against uh, players who are like 18 years old, 19, 17. So uh, it's probably more faster than uh, playing with pros in Czech because I played with 40 years old players. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's big difference. Uh, it's, I think in Europe, it's more about experiences. And uh, like in Canada and junior hockey, it's like about being more skilled or being faster, being stronger. So, uh, this is the main differences. Did it take you a long time to, to get uh, comfortable in Hamilton? I don't think so. Uh, at first two weeks, it was for me pretty, pretty tough. You know, uh, I was, it was first time, uh, I was out from my home. Uh, mm-hmm. I played my whole life in, in Litvinov in my hometown with my, I lived with my parents. So, uh, then I moved to Canada to the different world. And, uh, like I said, uh, Two weeks, first two weeks were pretty tough. Yeah. But uh, after that, uh, I felt comfortable. I felt uh, better and better because uh, my teammates and Bulldogs uh, are pretty good. Uh, our management, like uh, coaches and uh, GM and uh, everyone around the club are nice and uh, they really helped me to like felt comfortable. So uh, I'm glad for that. And uh, after two weeks, I felt really good. I felt comfortable. And I felt that I can, uh, I can play good. Well, and one of the advantages that you have compared to some of the other players that come from Europe to play over here, you can speak really good English. You're, you, uh, there's uh, um, no language barrier for you, or not much. Um, <laughs> how did you learn the language so well? Thank you, thank you. Uh, my dad always paid uh, lessons for me and my brother. Lessons with a English person uh, with a person from US so uh he's actually from Atlanta so uh we had uh, like lessons with him we 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 spoke to him only in English so uh it was really good for for us mm, okay uh Jan Mishak from the Hamilton Bulldogs my guest now in Hamilton uh, you only played 22 games but you had 25 points and 15 goals so on the ice you know off the ice it might have took a little while to feel comfortable but on the ice it seems like you had a lot of success very quickly. <laughs> yeah, like numbers are maybe like good, but uh, I don't think that I uh, play played uh, my best game. Oh really? I, every time I can, uh, every time I think I can be always better. And uh, when I was in Hamilton, uh, I really, I, I really think right now that uh, I can play better, and uh, I can show my best every time. But always I can be better in uh, everything. So I hope uh, I hope that I can like show show you show to everyone that uh, I'm uh, I will be better and uh, I can be the best. All right. Well, for those uh, of us who haven't had a, a chance to watch you play very often, uh, maybe tell us what kind of a player you think you are. I, I mentioned the the uh, the stats, uh, but maybe that doesn't tell the whole story. So how would you describe yourself as a player? 
I think I'm uh, good in offense as well. I'm uh, smart. I'm a quick. So this is a good part of my game. Um, like I said, I'm trying to play uh, like quick and smart. And uh, I think my smartness is pretty good. Uh, I'm trying to be the, like the smartest person on the ice. Uh, and the sheet that I'm looking at says you're, well, not quite six feet tall, uh, just over 5'10", um, and mm-hmm. about 175 pounds. Are those numbers uh, accurate? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We have a different size in Europe. so Yeah, kilograms. Are you about, what, about 80 kilograms, yeah. something like that? Yeah, right now uh, I'm trying to be, like, more stronger. So uh, I have around 83 kilograms right now because I'm working on, like, uh, my strength. So uh, I'm... More heavier. Okay, that's about 185 but, uh, yeah, pounds, I guess. About 185. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> but height-wise, you're you're just you're not quite uh, five foot eleven. Uh, that'd be about yeah. Uh, but, what about 178 centimeters, something like that? Yeah, something like that. I think 180. 180 centimeters. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Are, are you done growing? Do you think? Yes, I think probably. I don't know what's gonna happen. Like uh, my my brother is uh, he's nine. He's 19 years old, and uh, he'll be like, uh, actually, he's 20 years old, my bad. <laughs> uh, and he is like 193 centimeters tall, so uh, okay. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I will, I will grow more, so we'll see. All right. Uh, he's he's a few old, years older than you, two or three years older than you. So uh, was that one of the reasons yes. that you got into hockey, was because that's what your big brother was doing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he played uh, like play the hockey so every time when I went to, to the rink I saw him so uh, I didn't have a problem to play play hockey so it was probably uh, good for me and uh, I feel it's like it's like uh, good to have like older brother mm-hmm. he always helped me so uh, it's pretty good and he also went to North America he's playing in the United States uh, so was mm-hmm. that did that help you make that decision too? That you know, if if uh, if he can do it, uh, if Joseph can do it, then I can too. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I think we had a phone calls like every week. So uh, he told me about that, uh, how it is to live in Bella family, and uh, so it, it it was probably the better for me because I know what's gonna happen when I will move to Canada. Hmm. So uh, it, it was good for me, and uh, also maybe next year. He's going to college, so he'll be at Niagara, so probably he'll be so close to me, so yeah. we'll see. Yeah, that's we'll nice. See that, uh, yeah, probably we'll, I will see him like every week. Now, he's a defenseman. Uh, you're a forward. Have you always been a forward, or did you ever play on the blue line too? No, no, no. Uh, I've never been a like, D-man. My brother was a forward, but uh, when he was 15 years old, probably 16, Okay. Uh, he moved to the, to the D, so... Uh, we go forward. So when you're playing for fun against him and uh, he's a defenseman and you're a forward, uh, do you win that one-on-one battle? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> uh, he's like tough. It's it's uh, tough to play against him. Uh, he's a big and strong, so uh, his physical game is really good. So uh, I don't know. Maybe I will win or maybe he... <laughs> Uh, he's going the college road, as you said. He's going to play in Niagara. Uh, why not the college road for you? I had a, actually I had the same offer, like uh, to try it, uh, the the college, but uh, I don't know. I had an offer from uh, from my hometown club. Uh, it's like the highest league in Czech, so uh, mm-hmm. 
my dream was always to play there. You know, uh, when I was really young, uh, I went to every game of uh, of Litvinov, and uh, I saw like my uh, my favorite players uh, in Litvinov how they play. So I always it was probably my dream to play with them. And uh, when I was 16 years old, I had an offer from uh, Mr. Schlager that uh, I can sign a contract with with the club, and then I can play with them. Right. So it was my dream. So. I was happy for the for the offer, and uh, I wanted to to be like uh, like the pro. Right. So nobody can, nobody would blame you for that. That's for sure. Uh, well, Jan, I really yeah. appreciate your time. Uh, I wish you the best of luck whenever the draft happens. Well, maybe we should talk about the draft before I let you go. Have you have you been thinking about it over the course of the season a, a lot? Like, do you think about the draft very often? Uh, I don't think it's important, you know. Right now, nobody knows when draft will be. So. Uh, I cannot control that, so I'm trying to control only my work. So uh, mm-hmm. sometimes I have a meeting with NHL teams, but uh, right now I'm trying to like control my work and uh, my practices. That's all. But when the rankings come out and things like that, no, you're not a play- one of those players that goes to see where you're ranked. You you just try to ignore all that. Yeah, uh, no, I don't think so. Like uh, sometimes I'm trying to ignore that. I'm trying to like uh, see only my work and. Um, like uh, the things where I can be better, what I can improve and develop. So uh, I'm I'm not trying to think about that. Uh, but uh, of course, sometimes like uh, my brother or my friends uh, send me a message about like the rankings or something like that. So right. sometimes I see it. But uh, like I said, uh, it's I think it's uh, nobody knows who and when will be drafted. Uh, we probably know that uh, Alexis Lafreniere will be uh, first overall. That's all. So nobody knows what's going to happen next. Well, most people expect you'll be taken at some point in the first round. Is that important to you? If if it's if you're not taken in the first round and, you, and you're the first player in the second round, are you? Will you be really disappointed? No, 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 no. Uh, like I said, uh, my dream is to play in NHL. So. Uh, I think the most important thing is about the work uh, before the draft and uh, after the draft. So uh, I think uh, like number doesn't matter. Uh, you know, you can play NHL uh, even if you're in a seventh round and uh, if you work hard, you can make it. So uh, for me, the number is not important. Uh, most important thing is like my work. Well said, Jan. I really appreciate your time today. Wish you the best of luck, and uh, hopefully we can chat again one day. Thanks for doing this. You're welcome. Uh, have a good time, and stay safe. Here's Jan Mishak of the Hamilton Bulldogs, and uh, I know a lot of people will want to pronounce his name as Jan Mysak, uh, but uh, you go by Elite Prospects, and you uh, check out that website, and uh, they have a handy-dandy uh, pronunciation uh tab that you can click on next to all the names and it uh, tells you how to pronounce their name as they would for an example it's me shock when i do the interviews with the players i always get a a promo from them that uh, as i go out to commercial break you you always hear the the clip of the player in action and they always they gave me the hey it's jake neighbors of the edmonton oil kings and you're listening to the pipeline show that sort of thing Uh, i did that with uh, yon as well and uh and he pronounces it me shock so that's what I'm going with, Jan Mishak. And I'll admit, half the time I end up calling him Yan. It's like Han or Han Solo. I'm not even sure which is correct. I'd probably have to ask Harrison Ford. Uh, but uh, Yan or Jan, but it is uh, Mishak. 
Anyway, now that we got the pronunciation stuff out of the way, terrific player, lots of talent there for sure. And uh, as I said in the opening segment today, to me, he's a real wild card come draft day. Uh, you know, he got lots of exposure and lots of hype started to build for him after coming over. And I think the, the scouting community was aware of him. Uh, certainly, we're watching for him uh, before that. Uh, but once the North American public gets to see him and he's putting up decent numbers in the OHL and you wonder, okay, well, if he was there the whole year, would he be up there with the top guys? I mean, he didn't have two points a game like uh, some of the, uh, like Marco Rossi and Perfetti and guys like that. But could he have had a 70, 80 point season? Sure. And if so, if he had played the entire year in the CHL, would he be a top 15 guy? As it is right now, I think most people expect he'll go in the first round, uh, but might be a guy that's available in the 20s. And if so, that's uh, a guy that maybe, you know, three, four, five years from now, we're looking back and saying, how the heck was he available at that point in the draft? Who knows? That's what wild cards are all about. All right, next up on the Pipeline Show, we're going to have an in-the-dub segment. Perry Bergson from the Brandon Sun is going to join me. We're going to chat a little bit about the CHL lawsuit settlement, uh, but then we're going to get into this massive project that he's put together, looking back at the uh, magical season for the Wheaties back in 2016 when they were WHL champs. We'll talk about that next here on the Pipeline Show. Broken up and then taken by Prop. Threw into the zone. He's on a breakaway. Look out. Short-handed. Score! Three short-handed goals and a hat trick for Brian Prop. Holy cow. Welcome to Flyers Hockey on this Sunday. Hi, this is Brian Prop, former Braden Wheat King, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite. Well, this is The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we're going to have an in-the-dub segment brought to you by our friends at dubnetwork.ca, where you can stay up to date on everything happening in the Western ho- Hockey League. Not a lot going on these days, but there are some things, and you can uh, subscribe to get your daily dose, and it gets emailed to you every day. You don't even have to look for it. Uh, my guest today coming from the uh, well, the, air, the home of the Brandon Wheat Kings, uh, the Brandon Sun, more specifically, and his name is Perry Bergson. Uh, welcome back to the show, Perry. Good to talk to you. How are you? I'm great. Uh, been writing from my couch now for two months, so that's been a little tough getting used to, but uh, I think things are going okay. Well, we're going to talk a lot about uh, this uh, epic uh, pile of work that you've put together here uh, shortly. I wanted to pick your brain about the uh, the big news of the last week or so, uh, the CHL lawsuit uh, having been settled now. Uh, I don't know how much uh, in depth you've gone in it, uh, in uh, in looking at uh, all the ramifications and stuff. But um, what's your what's your initial take on uh, at least the lawsuit? Now it's complete. I think it's probably good for everybody now that it's behind them because it offers some stability. 
I think it offer, also offers the league, actually all three leagues, a chance maybe to review that scholastic policy. In my perfect world, I don't know where you stand on this, but uh, I would give those guys maybe 30 months or something after they graduate to start to uh, to use those scholarships. That is a fantastic way to lure young people into the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the better you can make that program, you know, I think that helps you in the long run. Overall, though, uh, again, you know, they have it out of the way now, and that's pretty important, I think. Uh, for me, it would be uh, the it would be three years, the length of a, an entry level contract, so a guy can go and play it, play out his entry level contract uh, professionally, two or three years, whatever it is. But I, I can't think of a scholarship that does not expire that you could use ten or fifteen years after it's awarded to you. So I don't think it needs to be like that. Um, but yeah, three years entry level deal, so thirty months. We're about we're about on the same page. You know, I think you're asking a lot of these young men to, after they graduate, and they've played hockey all their lives, and let's face it, some of them have never even held a job before, and you're asking them to make a decision on the scholarship right away. Um, I think that that's a lot to ask for guys who have had their entire focus on hockey their entire lives. Mm -hmm. That's why I would suggest it's important to give them that time built in. Yeah. Uh, I would say that they're, I mean, they do have, I think they make the choice, the personal choice, three times to uh, go the scholastic route. You can, I mean, you, before you sign on the dotted line with the CHL, you have the option to go the NCAA route. And as a 20-year-old and your uh, junior career is done, you have the choice whether to go to U Sport right away or sign a pro deal in the ECHL or the American League or Europe. So that's the second time. And then before it's about to expire, they have the third option, the third choice. Um, so the, I think there is something to be said for personal responsibility, though, as well. You? I agree. But again, I just think that, you know, these guys, some of them have lived fairly sheltered hockey lives, and that has been their goal their entire life. And, you know, I've spoken to a lot of hockey players over the years, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's just hard for them to give up the dream. All right. Well, let's get to uh, what we really wanted to talk about today. And, uh, well, maybe in your words, tell us about this massive project that you've uh, put together that is starting to come out now here this week. Well, I've become the king of mission creep here. What happened was I was just talking to some Wheat Kings alumni. You know, obviously, I'm looking for stuff. I can't cover events right now, so it's a lot of feature stories. So I, I thought, well, here's some guys that have graduated here in recent years I haven't spoken to in a few years. And uh, so guys like Tim McGauley, Mitch Wheaton, uh, Ty Lewis graduated a couple of years ago. And I thought, if I'm going to talk to all these guys, maybe I should talk to them about the championship four years ago. Mm-hmm. And so this was originally going to be, okay, I'm going to talk to a few guys, bang off, quick story, boom, done. But I've kind of, like I say, become the king of mission creep. And this thing just got bigger and bigger. And I talked, I ended up talking to 22 players and Kelly McCrimmon. Uh, I did more than 12 hours of interviews. Mm. And then what I did was piece together uh, an oral history of their entire season, the 15-16 season I'm talking about when they won the championship. So it's an interesting year. There's a lot of kind of, you know, the high moments and, and really low marks that I think sometimes fans forget about. You know, it's even for the best championship team, and I'm sure you saw this in Edmonton with those great teams they had. You know, it, it's not all sunshine and roses. There are some bad days along the way when things really get tough. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the uh, team's ability to overcome adversity that really separates them from being a good club to being a championship club. Mm-hmm. You know, you think with the Brandon Wheat Kings that year, they started the news 
or they started with the news that Ryan Pilon, who had just been drafted, right. you know, probably one of the top 20 defenders in the league, is stepping away from hockey. And they're just getting over that. And their season opener, Tim McGauley, the Eastern Conference Player of the Year from the season before, dislocates his shoulder and misses two months. Mm. You know, like that, that, that was boom, boom, right off the hop. That's two great hockey players out of their lineup suddenly. But like you say, it's how you respond. McCoy Urkamps, who was the captain that year, steps up into Pilon's spot alongside Ivan Provorov. And, you know, granted, that's not the worst place in the league to play. <laughs> uh, but he has a career year. Um, you know, and then they just have to fill in behind him. Kale Clegg steps up. They, uh, Colton Waltz left the team at Christmas. And Mitch Wheaton came on and was a fantastic pair for uh, Kale Clegg because he's a stay-at-home guy. So mm-hmm. Kale was able to kind of join the rush, be a fourth forward, knowing Mitch would be back behind him. So he, his second half of that season, Kale Cleggs I'm talking about, was fantastic. You know, and, and it's all sort of these unintended consequences of one guy deciding at the start of the season he doesn't want to play hockey, and then another guy quitting. And, you know, again, how do you respond? Yeah. Just out of curiosity, Perry, you're, you said you do 12 hours of interviews when it comes time to transcribing all of that uh, that audio, is there a, like a program that you use that would uh, you know help with that? Or uh, being a seen, seasoned uh, veteran now uh, with the gig, are you able to transcribe you know just really easily? That's, I find it very time consuming. Oh, it's awful. And you're being nice. I'm an old guy in the league. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just one word at a time, one sentence at a time. And the other thing is that while I was transcribing, somebody would mention something. I go, okay, that's right. I remember that. And then I go research it. So I do some pre-writing, then go back to the transcribing. So it probably took me, I don't know, well, three times those 12 hours at yeah. least to get everything transcribed, you know, to the level I wanted it at. And then you actually have to write the story. So, I mean, you got 12 hours of interviews and let's say generously 30 hours of transcribing work to, to do that. And then you actually have the writing. So when a project like this comes to fruition, how long do you think you actually put into putting this together? I would be guessing 80 hours. Oh, maybe. But you know what? It's, it's one of those things I knew I was going to be filling. Like we made, we turned it into a 17 parter. Right. So with the long weekend, that started this week. It's going to fill three weeks of papers in Brandon, Manitoba. That's good copy. That's, you know, people are going to be interested in that sure. because that was a well-loved team here. So I knew I was working for three weeks' papers with that 80 or 90 hours. Um, but you know what? It was a lot of fun. I presented it as an oral history. So what that means is I would have an introduction, and then it's just player quote, boom, 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 boom. Then I would add some more information, then player quotes, reactions to what I just wrote about. So it's a different format, too. I've done it only twice in uh, my long, long journalism career. For somebody that's not right in Brandon and can't pick up the paper and and, uh, and take it home, how do fans or, or, or readers uh, from BC, for example, uh, how would they be able to uh, read this work? Well, it's a little tough because we're behind a paywall, and that's the one thing that is keeping us a thriving mm-hmm. newspaper that allows me to spend 80 or 90 hours on one story. But uh, we have an agreement with the Wheat Kings that's hands-off from me where they use some of our stories on their website. Um, So I presume that at some point it'll find its uh, its way over there. I've written an alumni series over the last five years that's former Wheat Kings, everybody from a Brian Prop who's an NHL 
all-star to one player who never played another hockey game after he left the WHL. And the Wheat Kings have, uh, have ran all those stories, so that's all on the website too. Okay, excellent. I, I was curious, you know, with uh, a situation like this or a topic like this where you're reviewing an entire season, it seems like it would be a nice book to put together. Did you ever consider that, maybe expanding this and, and going with a, a, an actual book? You know, I would probably have to make all of those interviews like all of the 23 interviews I did would probably have to extend over a few hours. Mm. And I just honestly, uh, you know, it's just one story at a time here for me right now. Yeah. All right. But I've also had people suggest that with 120 alumni stories. There you go. But, uh, yeah. So we'll see. All right. Well, it's uh, it started coming out on the 19th. Uh, and as you and I are speaking uh, now, it's the 21st. So uh, as it breaks down day by day, as uh, as the story unfolds, you're up to October now. And then you've got almost monthly breakdowns uh, for each day of, that the story comes out. When you're looking back at it now, were there, there some things that you remembered wrongly, kind of? You, once you're talking to people, you're like, oh, I, that's maybe surprised you in the way that it was being described to you compared to what you personally remembered. Well, the funny thing is, of course, uh, hockey players being hockey players, I remembered stuff more often than not correctly, ah. <laughs> and it was them that I had to fact check. Um, but you know what? That's that's okay because you're on the ice, and you know, in a series, game three probably feels a lot like game two in a lot of cases. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, so there, there just weren't definite memories on that. But uh, yeah, this thing really starts to pick up in the playoffs. That's when it gets interesting. Uh, you know, of course, with them falling behind two games to the Edmonton Oil Kings in that first series before they found their way. and uh, You know, it, it just got more and more interesting as the playoffs went on. Well, I know we, uh, from this end of the uh, that series, we thought maybe the Oil Kings were the toughest challenge for the Wheat Kings when you look back at that playoff. Uh, because, again, as you just mentioned, the Oil Kings had a lead early on. Uh, and then, of course, the Wheat Kings uh, really picked it up. But... Um, would you agree? I think the Edmonton Oil Kings provided the toughest competition for uh, for Brandon. Well, don't forget that in Seattle, in the with the uh, league final, those first three games all went to overtime. Sure, yeah. So that was a, a darn close series. That was a razor's edge too. The one thing that I found out that I didn't know about was um, before the Edmonton series, they met for the first time the entire team on the Wednesday night. The series started on Thursday because half the team had the flu. Mm. So that was the, the first time I had ever ha- heard that. That was uh, Kelly McCrimmon telling me, you know, you like to have a full week of practice prior to uh, the playoff series beginning, of course, work on your special teams and everything. Right. So that was interesting. But you know what? That was that Pollock, Baddock, Mayo team. That was a good Edmonton team. I don't know how on earth they finished in eighth that year. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it was a couple of years after their Memorial Cup uh, championship. So, I mean, they were eventually you have to go down that cycle. So Edmonton was at that spot uh, or at that point uh, in their cycle. But uh, yeah, no question. They were, they were a team that uh, I don't think a lot of teams wanted to play, but uh, in the end, the the better team definitely won. Now this series goes through the WHL final and, uh, and off to the Memorial cup as well. Um, What did you uh, take away from your conversations about the Memorial cup that year? Those guys are so full of regret with how it went down there. You know, they had a really tough start against Ruin Naranda. They uh, they lost that game 5-3. to three. That's the game that people will remember for Johnny Quinville's between-the-legs goal. Yes. Um, you know, were you sitting beside me at that game? I, I might have been, yeah. I think we yeah. were down in Red Deer. 
Yeah, so that goal was scored about 40 feet from us. Um, and then that next game, they got pumped by London. That was the 9-1 to game. But that London team was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a very, you know, Kachuk, Marner, and Dvorak on their top line. And those guys were all great players in the NHL the next year. And then Jace Howerluck uh, was out with a concussion for their third game, the one they lost in overtime to Red Deer. But uh, one thing I would say, you know, I, I know WHL fans get after their teams for not performing well at that level. Mm-hmm you know, at the Memorial Cup, the physical toll that it takes to win a Western Hockey League title is something else. Everybody plays such heavy hockey, and I really think that that's a part of why, you know, WHL champions in recent years haven't done that well in that tournament, because they are so beaten up by the time they get to the national stage that they just are not the same team they were a month earlier. Geography has to play a role in that too, just the travel involved in a WHL playoff compared to certainly the Ontario Hockey League. Um, there are no trips from Brandon and Seattle. Uh, there's no equivalent to that in the OHL. No, and you think even that first series, what is it, 11 hours from Brandon to Edmonton? And, yeah, uh, yeah, nice reward for finishing in first, eh? You, you got the longest travel in the first round. Yeah, Moose Jaw was only four hours, and then uh, Red Deer was about 10. So you have a lot of miles on the odometer. Of course, they fly in the league final. Mm-hmm. So that made it a little bit better. But the plane landed in Abbotsford that year, and uh, we bussed the two hours down to Seattle from Abbotsford. So there's even some bus travel on that trip. Wow. Why would that have been? I don't know if that was something to do with the charter company. I would just be speculating. But uh, the the interesting side note there is that it was the Prince George bus that met us there. So their driver actually ferried the Wheat Kings around for the entire Memorial Cup. Uh, in the first couple of days, he's wearing his Prince George Cougar shirt. And then Kelly McCrimmon saw this and wired the home office, and uh, they had some packages delivered. And pretty soon, Ralph, the bus driver's uh, sitting there in his Wheat King shirt. And every time the boys are getting on and off the bus, it's, hey, Ralph, thanks, bu- thanks Ralph. Uh, so they adopted him pretty quickly. Oh, that's great. And it's those kind of stories that uh, that casual fans don't get to see and don't don't hear much about. Uh, anything else like that, that kind of trickle out over the course of that season that you, you look back on and, and think, uh, well, that's something that a fan would like to hear because they, it's not necessarily part of the game. It's not happening on the ice. It's sort of the, the, the stories that don't get reported normally. Well, you and I know something that a lot of casual fans don't because we have access to the players. You have 23 great kids in Edmonton. And I have 23 real good kids in Brandon. And there's 20 other teams in the Western Hockey League that have 23 great kids. Like, they really are mature. They're, they're, they're good young men. And I, I wish that fans knew that better when they were, you know, screaming at some guy from the other team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really struck by, you know, the level of love that those guys build for each other over the course of a year. And I don't think that's just a championship team thing. It's, they spend so much time together, and those relationships become so important to them. Um, you know, I was struck by things about reactions to trades of popular teammates and things like that, mm-hmm. where, you know, it's body blows to those guys because these are guys that they have spent every day with, you know, for how many years they played with them. Those human interest uh, factors uh, really come in, and I think that's something that actually most uh, fans uh, can identify with to some level. It's uh, the human element uh, 
uh, is always of interest to, to me for sure. All right. Well, this story is coming out over the next uh, two, three weeks uh, and has already started here this week. Um, so uh, if you have a chance uh, for the listener uh, to be able to track it down, uh, it'll be worth your time. Now, uh, things getting back to normal. Uh, what's your take? How long do you think before we start getting back into the ranks or is it still way too early to tell? I think it's way too early to tell. I wonder if we're not going to see a, a Western Hockey League game in the way that we have seen it for a couple of years until a vaccine is completely available. Like I don't know how you chance it otherwise. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. Know. I can't see the league playing without fans uh, for one thing because I think it's a pretty gate-driven league. Uh, yeah. I, you know, hypothetically, I could see maybe not playing. Uh, you know, just staying within your conference, maybe even within your division for a little while, but. You know, if uh, if they push the start of the season back to January, um, none of those things would surprise me at this point. I mean, I would be shocked if things got going in in late August with a uh, with training camp as normal. That would really surprise me. Wouldn't it be awful if you were a 2000 born player right now? Yeah. Looking at your overage season potentially not even happening. Yeah. Like, who knows? You know, so much can happen in the next few months, and hopefully, we'll all be back to the rink in no time once a vaccine is uh, is isolated. But Man, you know, even the kids, well, everybody, you know, th- those guys live, eat, and breathe hockey. Uh, you know, they have to be a little lost with the idea that it might not be back in a regular time frame for them. Well, that's for sure. The overage guys, the guys going into their NHL draft year, heck, all the players uh, that, you know, are looking for, they could potentially lose a year of their development. I mean, this could have a long reaching um, negative effects for. For a lot of the players, and that's just the players, and doesn't even take into account the coaches and all the uh, the arena people and uh, the, the folks that work at the rinks and everybody impacted by this. I mean, heck, it's uh, it impacts uh, you and I as well. Well, I got lots of great ideas now, but come back to me in three months, and uh, I might be scratching <laughs> my head figuring out who to talk to at that point. Well, Perry, I appreciate uh, you showing me around the the, the rink and uh, meeting me at the door. Uh, that game I was able to come out to uh, earlier this year. Hopefully, uh, we can do that again sooner as opposed to later. Thanks for taking the time today. That was really good. It's always fun to talk to you anytime. Eh? That was Perry Bergson from the Brandon Sun. A terrific guy. Uh, when I I, I got to a uh, Brandon game last, um, it seems like a long time ago. It wasn't that long ago. It was at the a very start of March or end of February. Um, I actually had to go to Winnipeg for a funeral and uh, was driving with my mother and my brother. And uh, it happened to be the Oil Kings were playing in Brandon that night, the night we were driving through. And uh, I convinced uh, my uh, carpool uh, cohorts that if we got to Brandon in time, hey, we could stop and watch the Oil Kings game. I could jump on the radio and do uh, color uh, from Brandon. I had never had the opportunity to see a game in Brandon, so I was excited for that. Uh, we got there at the end of the first period, uh, and I'd never been to the rink before. I didn't know where to go. Brandon Crow had put a press pass aside for me, so that wasn't going to be an issue. Uh, but I had no idea where to find it, where to pick it up. So Perry I, Perry uh, texted me and said, when do you get here? Let me know, and I'll run down and, and uh, walk in, basically. That's the kind of guy Perry is. Uh, when I get there, he's, he's waiting, basically, and uh, Held my hand uh, through the whole, uh, through the rink, basically, to uh, get me to the press box and uh, got me set up. So I really appreciate that. And a terrific writer does a fantastic job covering the the branded Wheat Kings. And if you have a chance to check out that series, uh, it's uh, what a ton of work he's uh, and effort he's put into that. And time, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Uh, great stuff, though, and a great writer covering the Western Hockey League. All right, next up, we have another 2020 Draft Spotlight to close out this week's episode of the show. 
We just had Jan Mishak uh, in the uh, first segment today, uh, playing in the OHL with the Hamilton Bulldogs. Uh, this time our guest is uh, headed to the NCAA. He was in the USHL this past season with the Chicago Steel. What a juggernaut of a team that was in that league. And one of the reasons why was Brendan Brisson, and he is my guest next here on the Pipeline Show. Hey, this is Brock Besser from the Waterloo Blackhawks. Hey, it's Kyle Connor from Youngstown Fans. I'm Gary from Dubuque Flying Saints. Hi, it's Ali Tolvanen from Sioux City Musketeers. Hi, this is Ryan Patolny, former player with the Lincoln Stars. This is Cooper Marodi from the Sioux Falls Stampede. Blake McLaughlin from the Chicago Steel. Hey, this is Sam Gagne, formerly of the Sioux City Musketeers of the USHL. Hey, I'm Wade Allison from the Tri-City Storm. Hi, this is Tom Gilbert, former Chicago Steel player. Jack Jury from the Waterloo Blackhawks. It's Casey Middlestaff from the Green Bay Gamblers, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. We're back on The Pipeline Show, and uh, we're going to end this week's episode off in a terrific fashion, and we're going to chat with another player who's eligible for the 2020 draft. In fact, another guy who's expected to go in the first round. Uh, pleasure to be joined by Brendan Brisson from the Chicago Steel. Brendan, thanks for taking time today. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate you making the time. Uh, what What is life like for you right now? You're down in California? Yeah, uh, I'm down in Los Angeles right now, and things are starting to open up slowly. The beaches actually opened up last Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just training, you know, working out at home, working out in a private gym, and uh, the, the rink's just been opening up. But, you know, you've been having to drive like an hour, an hour and a half to get on the ice, but it's worth it. Wow. So just, yeah, just just trying to stay busy as, as best I can. Well, you're probably the first player I've talked to in the last month or so that has actually gotten on the ice. So, uh, hey, consider yourself lucky. That's uh, How far do you, why do you have to travel that far? Is there just like one rink that's uh, that's going right now? Uh, Yeah, well, the, the rink that's uh, I've been skating, up, skating at growing up, like the one right next to my house, is actually the rink that the kings practice at so right. uh as of right now like they're the only rink that's kind of kind of closed still so hmm. um the and the rinks that are open are, are, are pretty far away from us okay uh and other than uh when you are you able to get on the ice still hitting the gym and uh, doing all that sort of stuff uh yeah i have a little i have some dumbbells and a bunch of stuff at home that my trainer's just been coming here and we've been doing stuff and then uh, he also has a private gym, so just been in there training as well. Okay. Um, take me back to the end of the season and where you and the uh, Steel were uh, when you were told uh, that the, the year was going to be canceled. Um, well, we actually just got done playing a series games, a two-game series game with uh, Dubuque, so another, t- another top team in the league, and we ended up going 2-0 and against them and then have, uh, having a good week of practice going in 
to the weekend playing against Green Bay. Um, <clears throat> we kind of, we kind of just, we, it was really unexpected for us. You know, we find we found out right when we got to the ranks that like the NBA was canceled. And I remember all of our staff was having meetings with the league and we were kind of just like sitting there not knowing what was going to happen, but we all just went in and like worked out and we're, we're, we're expecting to practice, but then we had a team meeting saying like we had to go home for, for two weeks at least. And, and two weeks, we'll see where the conditions are from there, if we're going to come back or not. So we actually were able to uh, bring our gear back. And, and I, I mean, quite frankly, I still have a lot of my clothes in Chicago. And the, the one thing that kind of sucked the most about it was just not being able to say bye to, like, your teammates. Like, some guys just got on planes, like, that night because, like, they had to go home. Hmm. And and then some guys just left like the next day, so we never really got like a proper goodbye as a team, and and that's what kind of kind of just sucked about the whole thing as well. So since since that meeting, we haven't seen each other. Yeah, no no closure, no proper ending uh, like that, even to say goodbye to your buddies. That's uh, that that is difficult for sure. And uh, in, in, from a hockey sense, really disappointing for the Steel. I mean, you guys were far and away the best team in the USHL this year. Uh, would have been the odds-on favorite, obviously, headed in, into the playoffs. So that's got to be crushing uh, to some degree as well, just knowing that, uh, you know, it was right there for you and uh, you don't even get a chance to play it out. Yeah, I mean, just just the season that we had, you know, and, like, the group of guys that we had, and we were playing our best hockey at the end of the year as well when, when we didn't get, you know, to compete in the playoffs. It was really frustrating and, and kind of sad because knowing what we could have done there and all the damage we could have done. But, um, I mean, they, they ended up, the USHO ended up giving us the Anderson Cup championship or champions, but, you know, you always want more than that. You want the Clark Cup. You want to get, the, you want to make history in the league, beat all those records that we were on pace for. But, I mean, I'm really glad that, like, our team had the success that we did throughout the year, and um, I learned a lot about myself and as a player. So, a really good year for for us for the listeners who might not be aware the record for the steel this year 41 7 and 1 41 wins in 49 games and 847 winning percentage nobody even close to that i think you guys had a 15 point lead on the next closest team uh and in the scoring race uh five members of the steel in the top seven in league scoring uh, that's just an indication of how how deep you were and how offensively uh threatening your uh, lineup was what was it that uh, that brought the steel together? This this group of players together and had that much chemistry and that much success. Can you put your can you put your finger on what what went right? Yeah, so like I, I mean, I I think we all we all knew that we had the we had the skill and like we had the the team on paper, but and the staff like was there supporting us and we had really good coaches and and everyone was there for resources. But at the end of the day, we all kind of just came together as one one big one big group, like one whole. So out of 23 guys, like we were just one unit and we were all really close to together in the locker room and a bunch of like, would you say, I would say hockey nerds, you know, always trying to get better in our games. And so, so when it came to like the game time, we were so close with each other and we, we relied so much on each other and entrusted everyone that things were just, just going right for us. And when they didn't go right, when we had adversity, we, we knew how to, how to come together as a team and, and just play how we wanted to play. And that was with, you know, skill and speed and, and playing a lot of offense and, and still being reliable on the defensive side of the game. And for yourself, Brendan, on a personal level, uh, it's your first full season in the USHL. You, you did have six games with Green Bay the year prior, but 
Um, this year, ending up one point shy of uh, your teammate for a top scorer in the league, I have to assume that you're pretty happy with the way you played this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a really good season for me, my, my first year in the league, and uh, I'm glad I, I'm glad I ended up playing in Chicago, and and I ended up there from from Green Bay, and uh, you know, when I, I came in, I had a bunch of good people surrounding me, like all the staff. We had so many resources in Chicago, and I mean, when you start off the year playing with Matthew D. St. Fowl, Sean Farrell. It's, it makes it makes the transition from playing at Shattuck to, to the USHL a lot easier for me, and so I, I kind of feel like I, I had a good start, and and it kept kept me moving throughout the whole year. My guest is Brendan Brisson. He's a forward with the Chicago Steel. He's off to uh, Michigan here in the next little while, and we'll talk about that uh, shortly as well. Uh, this is the Pipeline Show in our 2020 Draft Spotlight, and Brendan. Uh, a lot of people listening to this right now won't even be junior hockey fans, let alone USHL fans. They'll be casual NHL fans uh, wanting to know more about guys who are draft eligible. So for the benefit of those listeners, let's get a bit of background. Uh, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Manhattan Beach, California. I grew up um, in Venice Beach, and then I, I moved to Manhattan Beach when I was uh, around 14. And uh, when I was 14, I actually moved myself personally to, to Faribault, Minnesota, and I attended Shattuck St. Mary's for, for three years. Um, graduated from there, played hockey at, at the really historic prep school. Mm-hmm. Then I, uh, then last season, I was with the Chicago Steel in the USHL. How old were you when you first started playing? I mean, did you get into hockey as a really young kid? I know your dad, obviously, was a player. So did you start when you were you know three years old as well? Yeah, I, I started when I was three. I mean, uh, I think I was skating when I was two. So my parents actually met playing roller hockey down here on the beach in, in Santa Monica. And my mom played hockey as well. And, Is that right? Yeah, me and my brother were kind of bound to play hockey. And uh, my brother's at Shattuck right now. So he's he's going back for his second year. He played U16 last year. He's going to make the prep team next year. All right, you're both forwards. Have you always been a forward, Brendan? Oh, uh, yeah, always been a forward, and, and so is my brother. Okay. Uh, I know uh, a lot of times, uh, especially when you're young, kids might have to take their turn in goal. Did you ever have a uh, an opportunity like that where you had to throw the pads on? No. I mean, I was always playing goalie for our team and, and mini sticks. Uh, I really like playing goalie and mini, mini sticks, you know, pretending like you're Henrik Lundqvist or, or Mark andre Fleury in that. It's, it's kind of fun. Something else besides, you know, getting – I would never stand in in front be a goalie on, on the ice those guys are crazy <laughs> now for uh again for the audience that might not be aware your dad patrice brisson is uh, a former uh hockey player himself um what does he do now um he's my dad so he played in the the qhl qmjhl quebec league and uh then he played a year in a pro hockey and um in Europe, and then when he was 22, he he moved down to Los Angeles, and he he grew up playing uh, hockey with Luke Robitaille. So he he ended up living on Luke's couch. You know, he kind of came to the U.S. with with no money or and didn't speak any English. So uh, Luke helped him out, like with a spot on his couch, I guess. And he my dad actually started in the car washing business. So he was washing cars on the beach for a long time, and he got into the ice rink business. He's He's working at Ice Ranks, teaching kids how to skate and how to play hockey, opening different businesses, and and then he and he now like he ends up being a, uh, a sports agent. So he represents a bunch of hockey players and 
like Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon, John Tavares, uh, Andre Kopitar, Patrick Kane. So the list, list goes on and on, and it, it's really cool to see where he came from because, I mean, he honestly came from nothing. So it's, it's really inspiring, his story. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's always given me and my brother the best resources, you know, and um, the best trainers and all that. So I'm really thankful for him and not just like his job, like uh, it's not just his job, you know, he's my dad at the end of the day and uh, it just kind of goes together with that. You think there's there's some advantage? I mean, uh, I've talked to a lot of players, maybe their dad was in the NHL or something like that and they, they it's always been sort of you, you're living with your own uh, personal coach to some degree. You have an advantage okay. like that where uh, maybe he wasn't an NHL guy, but uh, with some playing history and, and obviously some of the advantages that he has uh, with the uh, position he's in right now. Is, has it trickled down to be an advantage for you uh, to some degree as well? Um, yeah, I, I'd say 100% it's an advantage. You know, just, just all the resources that he has as well and, and just the way he thinks the game. He's I'm, We were always talking hockey with each other, so, you know, you always learn something when you're talking with guys that, that know the game. And uh, it's easy for me because it's my dad and I'm around him every single day. Now he's a Q guy. Uh, I don't know if you ever considered uh, the the Canadian Hockey League or not. I I know that the Tri City Americans hold your CHL rights, but uh, have you always been a, a college guy? Is that always the direction you wanted to go? Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. Um, I was I've always wanted to go to Michigan, and and when I had the chance to commit to Michigan, it was a no brainer for me. All right, tell me about the program and and why it was the right fit. Uh, Coach Mel Pearson, obviously well respected across hockey circles, uh, and that program has a ton of history, obviously. But why was it the right one for you? Um, well, I mean, uh, I remember playing for the Junior Kings. We got a chance to go visit uh, Michigan when we were playing in uh, in Ann Arbor, and I remember Zach Ramsey scored a goal, and the Yost Arena just just kind of blew up. And right then and there was my first experience with college hockey, first experience really outside of California of any any hockey, and um. Yeah, I kind of fell in love with that, that how just the reaction and the environment of the O's building and then like obviously like all the history that um, Michigan hockey holds. And they have, I mean, I think they have, they have a hundred, hundred players that have gone through the program and made it to the NHL. And just, you know, with the coaching staff, the way they like to play with speed and skill and the way they develop their players is, is really admiring to me. And throughout this whole coronavirus process with, with that, with a lot of people not knowing stuff, they've been really professional and in their communication with reaching out to me and like all my teammates and the incoming freshmen. So I'm really excited to go in next year. With a, we have a really good class going in and we got a bunch of good returning guys that are going to be leaders on the team. And I'm looking forward to, you know, learning, learning new things from them and, and uh, developing and winning with my teammates. Do you have any concern, though, about what happens in the fall? Uh, if whether the season starts on time, looks like it probably won't. Uh, do you have any concerns about that and what it means for your development? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's it's going to get affected. But I, at the end of the day, I think that one, we're going to end up playing around probably, I think, December, what I think, um, hopefully. And obviously it's uh, kind of, you know, not – not to have like a freshman year at Michigan and not to have like uh, just the experience that I would be having playing, you know, my, my first year of college hockey. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just as long as, you know, just as long as we have a season, like that's kind of all I really care about, all I really want. And, 
if if it could start earlier than later, that'd be the best uh, opportunity. But I mean, I'm willing to wait, and as long as and if I'm there in Michigan, you know, with my teammates and stuff, training and and practicing, uh, we're just gonna keep getting better. So when when the games do come, we're we're gonna be ready. Uh, Brennan, for uh, maybe we should talk about the draft and just uh, has that been on your mind throughout this season, or are you one of the guys who likes to kind of push it to the back of your mind so it's uh, not a distraction? Um, I mean, it's, I feel like I have a, a kind of a different different view on it than most people my age, just because you know, being around my dad and he's always been like involved in the draft and mm-hmm. with his players and uh, so first firsthand, like I've seen like all the good and all the bad, like the guys who've thought about it way too much and like it end up affecting him and like the guys that kind of just put it in their back of their head and, and don't really worry about it. So just for me, like I, I, I don't really worry about the draft that much. And obviously, you know, it's in the back of your head. Like as a young kid, like everyone dreams to get drafted in the NHL, play in the NHL. So, I mean, I, I kind of use it as motivation just to like, I mean, it's not really about the draft. It's about like where you're going to be playing in four years and, and your development there. So uh, wherever I get drafted, I'm going to be honored to get drafted to whatever team that selects me. And, and, and whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, top 30, top 20, top 40, top 50, top 60, top 70, you know, however I get drafted, it's the same feeling. And, and you got to, like, wake up the next morning and get keep getting better. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Well, that's it. That's interesting that you say that. I was going to ask about, you know, if it matters. There's no question you're going to get drafted. It's just a matter of when. But for you, it's it's not really important if it's first round or not, other than, the prestige of being able to say you were a first rounder. Uh, it sounds like you're, you're aware that the work starts the next day anyway. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm aware like that, all that, like the work starts tomorrow, the next day. And it's not about where you are now, but I mean, I'm confident with my season that I should be going in the first round. And, uh, I mean, to whatever, like whoever takes me, I'm going to be really excited to play for. All right. Uh, before I let you go, I got to ask for a self scouting report. Uh, you know, for the the people that are hearing this and want to know, yeah. you just got drafted for to sure. their favorite team. Uh, what kind of a player are you? Um, I mean, I feel like I'm a leader. I'm, I'm a good teammate, but uh, I'm a player on the ice that uh, you know, I'm, I'm driven just by my hockey sense, the way I'm, I'm able to make plays, and I, I feel comfortable pretty much making every single play that I'm like uh, put out to be on the ice with, and. Uh, I'm comfortable in any situation. I, I like the pressure. I'm a type of player who who rises to pressure, and uh, I got, I've been working on my shot a lot the last three years. I've always been a playmaker growing up, but the last three years I've kind of been a goal scorer as well. So I'm not afraid to put the puck in the back of the net, and uh, I, I like I love to win. So whatever NHL team I get drafted to, I, I really want to win there, and. You know, everyone wants to have their name on the Stanley Cup, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to, to win the Stanley Cup and um, compete against the best players in the world. How big of a coming out party was the uh, World Junior A Challenge for you? That seems like it was the part of the season where your name really started to, to come to the forefront. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, just, you know, just playing really good at like at the, one of the highest levels you could play at was, was really important to me, but... Uh, I mean, I feel I feel like I was playing the same way, just like throughout the season, and um, it, it's it was an honor, you know, putting the USA jersey on, and uh, emotion comes out more when you're playing against Canada, playing against Russia. I feel like, and mm-hmm. 
I wish I wish we could have won that tournament, but it was a really good experience for me, and I, I learned a lot about myself and my game. Excellent. Brendan, I kept you a long time. I appreciate you making the time for the Pipeline Show today. Wish you the best of luck, and uh, maybe as a Wolverine, we can chat again. For sure. Thank you for having me. Took a little while, but I was able to track down Brendan Brisson of the Chicago Steel for another uh, 2020 Draft Spotlight segment. Uh, thanks to uh, for him for making the time. Thanks to his agency as well, Ethan Fink at CAA, for helping set up that interview. Uh, this is a player to watch, that's for sure. Uh, seen, just watching some of the highlight uh, packs. Didn't get to see him in person this year. Uh, but, boy, the, the chemistry on that team. Just The Chicago Steel were outstanding. But even some of the highlights from the World Junior A Challenge, where I, you heard me say it at the end of that interview, I thought that was the... I, I called it the coming out party, but it seemed to be the uh, about the time in the season where the buzz really started to grow about this guy. Had a really good performance there, and uh, the highlights uh, from there were outstanding. Some of the plays that just looked like he and his teammates, his line mates, had the puck on a string at times. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be very uh, curious to see, well, first off, what happens with the college hockey season uh, in 2021. Does it start on time? Do they play half a season? Whatever. Uh, but at Michigan, he's going to be with a lot of really good players. That's going to be a team to watch for this coming season. And I think uh, Brennan Brisson, somewhat of a wild card as well for the draft. He could be a, a, a top 20 guy. Uh, there might be a team, you know, maybe there's a chance. I said it in the opening segment. Maybe there's a chance he slips out of the first round and then somebody pounces on him really early because they can't believe he's still there. And, and the example I come up with is Shane Pinto from uh, last year's draft and the Ottawa Senators were all over that. And looks like it was a, a pretty good choice to do that. So, um, and, and uh, Bobby Brink, another guy that uh, comes to mind from last year when uh, Philly took him in the second round. There are some people who thought he should have been a first rounder as well. Thanks to uh, Brendan and thanks to uh, my other two guests as well, Perry Bergson from the Brandon Sun and uh, Jan Mishak uh, from the Hamilton Bulldogs. Oh, thanks also to Peggy Chapman from the uh, Bulldogs who uh, went out of her way to help set up that interview. Uh, with uh, Jan, so I really appreciate her going the extra mile. Uh, next week on the uh, Pipeline Show, I, I mentioned it earlier in case you missed it, uh, I will have, uh, or at least I have plans, sort of tentative plans, to speak with somebody uh, about the CHL lawsuit settlement. I have a couple irons in the fire for 2020 draft spotlights as well, uh, so lots to look forward to between now and then. Stay safe. I hope everybody is uh, being uh, kind and polite to everybody because everybody right now is stressed out. So no need to add to uh, the pile for anybody else. So uh, treat your neighbors and treat your strangers as uh, as you would want to be treated. And uh, certainly I've seen the videos of people going into stores and restaurants and unloading on the people that work there because you might have to wear a mask or something. Calm down. Seriously. Check your privilege. All right. I don't want to get too political. So let's leave it at that. Uh, looking forward to next week's show, and I hope you'll be back as well. Thanks to all the patrons who have signed up in the last little while. I appreciate your support. A couple of bucks a month, all it costs, goes straight to uh, your credit card. Uh, you don't get an invoice from me or anything. I don't see your credit card. It's all handled securely by uh, PayPal and uh, Patreon. So if that's of interest to you and you want to hear the interviews three or four days before everybody else, uh, you can do that. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. Until next week, I'm Guy Flaming. See ya. See ya.